0: Welcome to the study of God's Word with Pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you take your Bibles and open them to the book of Philippians? The book of Philippians, chapter 1 in a Bible study that I've entitled The Grace to Finish Well. Because you'll recall we're studying through the book of Hebrews verse by verse and we're in chapter six and handling the most difficult passages in all of Hebrews there in chapter six, which led us to this, sum, this sub-series on the confidence and assurance that you and I can have in God for our salvation. And today I want to remind us of the goodness of God to be that he begins something and he also finishes it. And when you think about us gathering together it's really amazing that we're here together worshiping Jesus. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Because we do it repetitively and we do it regularly, we may miss the significance of the fact that we're here together of all the places that we have come from. We're assembled together. The church is a miracle of the grace of God. That here we are individually coming together. It's like God saying, I'm bringing you together to worship, for encouragement, to strengthen you. Why? Because we need it. We need to be focused on our Lord from time to time on a regular basis. The Bible tells us, as we'll learn in Hebrews, we're not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together. And we've been saved from this world. God has taken us out of this world in order to be sent back into this world and we're gathered together as the church, but we're really individually the church so that wherever we are, we serve the Lord. And it's amazing to think of all the places that we've come from, not just physically, you know, as we come from throughout the metro area to gather here for worship, but, but your past. To think of what God saved you out of. To think of where you were before you met the Lord. I'm reminded of Psalm 40, verse 2, when it says, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps, and he's put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies." And every one of us has a pit of despair. Every one of us knows of the mud and the mire and the muck of sin. And here we are by the grace of God. Saved, renewed, redeemed, changed, changing, running, crying. <laughs> and the Bible teaches us that we're saved by grace. Grace. And you know, grace, a great way to remember the grace of God is that it's unearned, undeserved, and unmerited. There isn't one among us today that deserves what God has done for us. Does anyone want to say amen to that? I mean, it's all grace. The beginning of your salvation is grace. The finish of your salvation is grace. And everything in between. And it's a miraculous thing to be gathered together in becoming the part of the forever family of God, the forever family of God, this fellowship of believers. And today we wanna be reminded of the grace of God to finish well. His sustaining work in our lives, which brings us to Philippians chapter one, notice with me in verse six. I highly encourage you to memorize this passage. If this is the first verse you ever memorize, you will do well to do so. In verse six of chapter one it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's work in us. That even when we are faithless and falter, when we stumble, and make mistakes. When we are faithless, God remains faithful. So turn to someone and say, God is faithful. Just say it with confidence. And turn around and tell someone else. Tell it to yourself, God is faithful. Even when I'm faithless, God is faithful. It's a good thing to be reminded of. You know, when you read through the Bible, there's a lot of illustrations, a lot of pictures to help us understand what it means to follow God. Now remember in this section of Hebrews 6, now the whole book of Hebrews, the the theme really is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. How he is preeminent. He is the end of faith. That he has fulfilled the entirety of all that's required by a holy and righteous God. Not only to extend forgiveness of our sins, but to enter into relationship. There is nothing greater, nothing grander. No one, anyone, anywhere, at any time is greater than Jesus Christ. He has no other name by which someone must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. That's the big picture of Hebrews. But the, in, here in chapter 6, there's a sub-theme, and the theme is spiritual maturity. That, that we're to grow up in our relationship with God. That when we're born again, we become spiritual babies. And as babies do, we're to grow up into maturity. Where he tells them in chapter 6, remember, hey, by now, you guys should be teaching these things. You should be teaching the basics, but now I've got to repeat it all over again. And so there's that expectation of maturity. So with that in mind now, the Bible gives you many pictures of what it means to mature and to move forward with God. For example, there's the picture of walking. You'll often hear your relationship with God referred to as the Christian walk. And that's a picture. And it makes sense. It's a great picture. It has the implication of walking, taking one step in front of the other and making progress, going in the same direction, not staying where you were, the Christian walk. Another picture of the Christian life and maturity is one of fighting. And the Bible describes it as a good fight of faith. The Bible describes our relationship with God as involving spiritual warfare. Paul would tell young Timothy Timothy that he's to be a good soldier. And so the idea of fighting. And another picture is that of running. And the Christian's life is compared to running a race, a spiritual race, one where you start, where you continue on, and one where you'll finish. That God enables you to start, enables you to run, and enables you to finish. Now, if you know the end of this saying I'm about to share, I want you to finish it with me, because it's pretty common. So if you know this, finish it with me. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, it's true. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I'm not sure who shared that quote, but it's becoming even more real to me knowing that finishing well is what God desires. Finishing well. We're learning, aren't we, as followers of Jesus Christ, that there are pits and perils as we run this race. Temptations and trials. Things to take us off course. Things to distract us. Things that are designed to trip us up or perhaps even destroy us and take us out of the race. And sometimes, sometimes we just, sometimes we feel like we're just not gonna finish. And we're not gonna finish well. And we're not sure if we're gonna make it. We're not sure if we can take the next step. We're not sure if we can run the next lap. The journey seems too long and too hard. But listen, church, the Christian's life is a race that we must not only run, but run well. And not just run well, but finish. And not just finish, but finish well. It's all over the Bible. It's not enough for a few years to be leading the pack and then to fall back in the end or to run off. We need to finish well as much as we need to start well. And Paul would put it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Let me read it to you from the New Living. Paul writes to the church and he says, Remember that in a race, everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. You also must run in such a way that you will win. All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified." So Paul is saying, I train, I discipline myself, I guard myself because I'm running this race and I'm running it to win. I'm running it to be better than the last lap. Notice if you're in Philippians still, go to chapter three with me, verse 13. Paul would write to the church in Philippi and he'd say, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the picture here is of a runner, perhaps in the last lap of his life, every muscle is straining and he has the goal in sight. He's not looking back. He doesn't want to trip or be disqualified. He's running to make it, and he's running hard. And in our race, we must run, and run hard, and run straight, and run long, and run wisely. In the strength of Jesus Christ, you will finish your race. But how careful and focused we need to be Along these same lines, once again, Paul speaking to the elders, to the leaders in the church in Ephesus, made this statement. And he was speaking of his own threat of imprisonment in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says, None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, or of any value. But I want to finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ, to testify to the grace of God. And I'm telling you, I'm looking at my own life. Especially in the last few years, as tragedy struck our home and we're just kind of realizing that things can change in an instant, in a millisecond. And I'm also looking at my life as I'm getting older, and it's very obvious to me I'm getting older, that I am closer to the finish line than I am toward when I started. And I am notice I'm just seeing in the body of Christ, I'm watching people fall away men that I greatly respected, men that I even followed or listened to and received their teaching, seeing them fall away, seeing them turn their back on God, make all, I'm just noticing in my own life that I want to finish my race. And I want to finish it with joy. I want to be a good example. I want people to follow me and finish. I don't want to be overthrown in the wilderness as Israel was. I don't want to be a casualty. I don't want to fall away. I don't want to be defeated. I don't want to be tripped up in one of those traps and one of those temptations. I want to cross that finish line. And I want to encourage you to consider the same. Now, some of you might be so young here and you go, you know, well, Ed, you know, you're old and and you're old, so I'll worry about it when I get old. Listen, you're going to be old. If God allows you, you're going to be old like Ed one day. So just write that in your Bible. One day I'll be old like Ed. You will. (laughs) And it's when you're young that you need to catch this vision. That you don't just kind of, well, you know, I, I was raised in a godly home and I'll believe in Jesus and I'll go do my own thing for a while and then I'll come back to the Lord. Don't think like that. Use your life for the things of God. As we've been taught year after year, and I go back to even as a new believer, this phrase stuck with me as Pastor Jeff taught me, and I've shared it with you countless times, and I'll do it again. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. I mean, you look back, those of you that have been walking with Jesus for a while, you look back and you'll see the things that you've done for the Lord are never wasted, that God has blessed you abundantly as you've abided in Him, living your life for Him. But the things that you threw out on the world, things that you kind of, you know, went out and you did this for the world, you did this in the flesh, it doesn't last. It doesn't last for eternity. And sadly, the pages of the Bible, as well as our own personal experience, the pages of the Bible are filled with many who didn't cross that line, many who had great potential many who started out so well, but ended so miserably. How important it is to keep your eye on the finish line, even if it's way up ahead. You know, there are people in our church that, that run marathons. Why? I don't understand. But they dig it, and they're into it. And as the Christian life has often been described, it's not a sprint, it's not a 100-yard dash, it's a marathon. And you know when you start a marathon, you don't see the finish line. You just know eventually in a few hours, you might see it. And you run, and you run, and you run. And I've read of this, I personally haven't experienced it, but I've read of this, is that some point in a marathon race, the marathon runner hits something called the wall. And that's where everything in their body says, stop this nonsense. No, run, you can't make it another step. And they train themselves to get through the wall. And once they get through the wall, they have what's known as a second wind. And they run as if, man, I'm going to the finish line. And even today, if you don't see the finish line up ahead, Make a determined decision that you're going to finish the race, and you're going to finish it well, day by day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You don't want to be one of the casualties, one of the ones that we wonder, what happened to him? What happened to her? I wonder how she's doing. We haven't seen him in a while. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, again from the New Living Translation, it says, be careful then, dear brothers— Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day as long as it's called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. And so the good news today is that God enables us to finish the race. God enables us. It's his will. It's his strength. It's his grace. As we read in verse 6, being confident. You know, Paul, when he writes this, he's in prison, and he is confident in the power of God. I mean, he has no doubts He's confident in the power of God. He's confident in the work of God among the believers in Philippi. He's confident, notice number one, that God began it, and number two, that God will complete it. And sometimes we just need people in our lives that when we're going through something, when we're battling something, that they're confident for us when we're not so confident. And so thank God for the Pauls, that maybe they're considering where they're at, they're just kind of wondering where they're at, and Paul says, look, I'm confident in you guys. When I start to pray for you, God builds my confidence and I'm confident that God started it and that he'll complete it. Paul would say it in a different way to to the Ephesian believers in chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now isn't it true that sometimes we forget that God's at work? We forget that God's at work in our lives. We get so caught up in the here and now, so caught up and overwhelmed by circumstances that it's easy to lose confidence and it's easy to forget that God's at work. I mean, think about it this way. If all there was was this life, this earth, what you're currently experiencing, I mean, if that's all there was, there was no eternity, no heaven, no hell, just this life, it would not take long for you to lose hope if that's all there was. I mean, if this is all there is, this is as good as it's gonna get, you're like, no way. Because life is hard and difficult. For some of you, it's very hard and very difficult. If this is all there is, this life, and our own effort and our own strength, like if everything was dependent upon your strength, your ability, your thinking, like, like for example, I was thinking of this. Some of you here today are incredibly brilliant, smart people like like you? That's just how God made you. You are the best word to describe you is brilliant. You have the intelligence of like fifty people, and you can pick things up really fast, and you can figure things out, and you're super smart. Can you imagine if life only depended upon your brilliance? Like like as brilliant as, as brilliant and smart as you are, God is still brilliant still, and it's not just your you. Even though you're so smart. Or maybe you have a lot of money and you're so you will one day meet something and face something that's beyond your money and beyond your smarts. I'm so glad that it's not just this world that we're dependent on because not all of us are all that brilliant, myself included. I'm just not that brilliant. I, I struggle with I forget things. You you won't you will not believe what happened today. First time in 19 years happened today. Do you guys want to hear or should we just move on? So I wake up this morning. I didn't sleep very well last night. Excuse. I didn't sleep very well last night, so I got up early this morning like I normally did. Uh, got ready to come to church, uh, waiting for Caitlin, doing my devos, go over to the espresso machine, uh, make her her favorite drink, make me my quad shot, which is just the beginning. <clears throat> and turn the car on to warm it up, wait for Caitlin to come down, go over to the area, the mudroom there by the door by the garage, put my jacket on, we jump into the car, we banter back and forth like we normally do on the way to church, and we're messing around, joking, goofing off, and then we pull up into the parking lot here, I get out of the car, and Caitlin says, Dad, where's your shirt? yeah. I forgot to put my shirt on this morning. Now, I had my undershirt on, but I forgot my shirt, you know, because this is back when we had a campus. We met over in, in Denver. Uh, we had a campus over there. We used to play. So, so here's, here's the mindset. You go, Ed, what are you thinking? Well, okay, this is what happens. Saturday night, I put a shirt on. I teach. I go home. I take the shirt off. I put it in my office because I'm going to wear it on Sunday morning because we used to broadcast Saturday night service over at the campus, and so I wanted to wear the same shirt that I was wearing on Saturday, so if anybody saw me, it was just… There was thinking behind it. We don't do the campus anymore, but it also saves on laundry, just so you know. And I got up today and I wasn't in any major hurry. It wasn't any big deal. There was really no reason for this, but I forgot my shirt. And it would be a tragic incident if I taught in a white t-shirt on a Sunday morning. It would be scandalous. Not really, but it would be weird. And if I only had my mind to depend on, for goodness sake, I didn't even remember to put my shirt on. Now before you laugh so much at me, you might wanna look at your own life a little bit (laughs) and see what we can share in common where today we can just be grateful and thankful for God's overwhelming power in our weakness and in our mistakes. So whether you're super brilliant or not so brilliant after all, it really doesn't matter. God loves you, he made you that way, and what he began in your life, he's faithful to complete it. You can trust him. The key to accessing that is faith. Just trusting God, knowing that what he has started, he's going to finish. Paul writes with absolute confidence, absolute confidence in the finishing grace of God. And sometimes we just forget That God is at work. We get stuck in the circumstances of life that so quickly sink our faith. You're in Philippians. Go over to chapter 2 now with me in verse 12. Philippians chapter 2. You see, the focus, though, is not on on us. The the focus is not on us. It's not on our ability. It's not on our perfect behavior or doing everything right. It's on God. Verse 12, chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, because it's God. Now, that word for, if you like to write in your Bible, circle it. You could write next to it because, because that's really what he's saying. Work out your own salvation and fear because God's working in you. And he's doing two things to, to give you a will to change your desires, to will and to do. To change your desires, number one, and number two, to give you the power to follow through for His good pleasure. Again from the New Living it says, Dearest friends, you were always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. That's the work of God in your life. He's doing two things. So for those of you that are born again believers, God is working in you. You may not be cooperating with him, but God is still at work. Those of you that are hard-hearted, those of you that are resistant, those of you that are angry, those of you that are not fulfilling the high calling God in your life, even those of you that are not pleasing God, God is still at work, giving you new desires and the power to follow through because that's what the word works means in verse 13. Next to works, you could write energy. He's literally giving you the energy where it lacks in order to obey him. And it is just too easy to forget that God's at work, that God is working and that he'll finish his work. And His plans for you are much larger than you even know now, much larger than you experience, that God loves you. It's so easy to forget how God loves us and is for us and not against us, that He created you and put you on this planet with a work that only you can uniquely accomplish. Not only that, but we're gathered together in a group like this so that we don't forget that we're not alone. We're in this together. We're part of a brand new spiritual family on this huge planet populated by billions of people. God reminds us that we're in this together and that he's given us new desires. I mean, think about your life, how you think differently now, how you're new, you have new desires, like, like just the desire to wonder, you know, you just want to know what does God say on a matter that came from God. You know, you're, you're looking, is this the guy I should marry? Is this the gal I should connect with? Is, is this the place you want me to live? Is this the place where you want? Just asking those questions of God in prayer are the desires that he birthed inside of you. Now the gifts and the talents and all that you have, where once it was used for your own motives and whatever your desire was, now those same things, you ask the question, how can I please God with all that he's entrusted to me? How can I please God with this life? You know, we don't always understand God's will. We don't always see it clearly, and we don't always do it, but we can take courage that God is going to show us and lead us through everything. And this reminds us that the pressure is off of you in your relationship with God, that we're learning through this time in the book of Hebrews that if we will simply surrender and obey, we'll make quick progress. And I dare say, this is a word from the Lord to someone listening to me right now, that the issue in your life right now is your disobedience to what God has revealed to you. And it might be wrapped around with all kinds of reasons, excuses, and feelings, but God on the inside of you can get right to the root. And if you choose today to simply respond in obedience, God will meet you right there and begin to work in your life in a positive way, no longer fighting against you. You know, all of the pains, all of the setbacks, all the sufferings in this world come because the world has fallen. It's touched and tainted by sin. And so as you stumble and fall in the race, as we all do, don't beat yourself up over your shortcomings. Like, it's so important to train yourself, because some of you have a weakened, you know, you're, you're weakened in this area because, you know, you have this, perhaps you're kind of like a perfectionist, so when you don't reach perfection, you kind of beat yourself up, or, or you fail a lot, you make a lot of mistakes, and the Bible even speaks to this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, now there is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And when we stumble and fall, some have this tendency to beat yourself up and go, you know, I'll never finish and I'll never make any progress. And it seems like everyone around me is making more progress. Don't beat yourself up because you're not living up to some standard, even the standard you set for yourself, but rather release yourself to the work of God to change your mind and empower you to obey because God made you to have fellowship with him. He made you to enjoy him and the work is done and over. And what's left is your relationship with the Lord. Notice he says, he gives you in verse 13, God's working in you both to will, giving you the desire to do what's right. New desires, new wants, new wishes. But not only that, also the power to do. So you know we all face things in our life, I don't think I can do this, and that's where you tap into the power of God. You're like, yeah, that's right, you can't do this. But as you surrender yourself to God, he empowers you to follow through in obedience. God is working in you, why? Well, he says at the end, for his good pleasure. To so please God. It's just startling to me. It's shocking to me that for much of my life, prior to being born again, I lived to please myself. And I went at it. And I know many of you share the same testimony. It's like everything I did was to please myself, even at the cost of great pain to those that love me, or even to society. But that changed when you you changed, when I changed. And now my life is to bring glory and honor to God, even at great cost or self-sacrifice in our lives. The cooperation that comes in our lives is for His pleasure so that His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not only do we forget who's doing the work, we also can forget that it's a good work. The work that God's doing in you is good because He's the one doing it. You the Bible says are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's a good work that the finished product will be good. And we say, oh, Lord, you're so faithful to us. So here we are today. There are two types of people listening to me. There are those that have been born again that God is working in you. And to that, you can rejoice. God's working in me. You can say that. God, say it out loud. God is working in me. Go ahead, say it out loud. God's working in me. Say it again. Go ahead. Some of you are not. Okay, so some of you aren't saying it. So I'm gonna say it for you. God's working in you. And there is another group of people listening to me You may not be so so willing to do this, but this is the thing. God's working in a lot of people, and those that aren't saved, God's working on you. I don't know if you wanna say that out loud, but if you do, that's the work. God's working on you. You see, the privilege of a believer is that God's working in us. But if you don't have a relationship with God today, He's working on you. And there's only one goal that He has, to bring you to the realization that you have sinned and fallen short of his glory. Or you could say it this way, he wants to bring the conviction of sin upon your life. Conviction, that's a courtroom word. And it makes a lot of sense, because if we were in a courtroom, and we did commit the crime, when we are convicted, whether by jury, or by our plea, you know, we plead guilty, that immediately brings about the decision of the judge of conviction you have been convicted of a crime. Convicted also has the idea of convincing, and it's the reality of the situation. And God wants to bring you, just like in a courtroom, he he wants to bring you to the reality of the truthfulness of your situation, that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and salvation and forgiveness and a relationship with God is not found any other place than through Jesus Christ that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting, everlasting life. So most of us, God's working in us. Some of us, some of you, God's working on you, inviting you to turn your life over to him and to trust him. For that work in us, that work is our lives and it's a good life as painful as we might be, as even as much damage as we might have done. In Christ, it's a good life. And He has a long-term plan for you and me. You're a work in progress. God is doing all sorts of things in your life right now. Redeeming, repairing, restoring, comforting, encouraging, and then the confidence comes back. You go, yes, God's at work. I haven't seen it for a while. I haven't felt it for a while. But then the confidence to go, yes, God has started to work in me. I remember. I remember who I was. I know who I am. And you begin to confidence. Even though you can't see it, maybe not even feel it, we know it by faith. Titus chapter 3 verse 4 says, but then God our Savior showed us his kindness and love. He saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins gave us new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out His Spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ our Savior did. And He declared us not guilty because of His great kindness. And now we know that we will inherit eternal life. In order for you to be declared not guilty, you have to admit that you're guilty. So that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you of your sin. In all of His work, includes today, this Bible study. If you have your kiddos or grandkids down in the children's ministry, all that they're learning, everything you're gonna talk about this afternoon, your devotional life, your time in the word, your time in prayer. But what happens is we lose sight of eternity. We get caught up by the difficulties of now. We forget the eternal scope and plan of God. We feel the frustrations and agitations. We get caught up in the moment in the circumstances, the difficulties, people press in on us, worries consume us, we get upset over issues, our our hearts sink over sadness or sorrow, and then we forget and lose confidence and forget that what God started, he promised to complete. If God started it, he's going to finish it, and you can trust him that way. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker. I haven't seen it too much lately but back in the day there used to be this bumper sticker and even a t-shirt that said God ain't finished with me yet. You guys see that? God's not finished with you and you know it's become this Christian cliche but what I have found over the years is that Christian cliches have some of the greatest truth and they just get lost because they get repeated so many times and they start making bumper stickers out of things and you lose sight of the reality is that truly God is not finished with you. That as long as you are here and breathing, God has a plan and a purpose. He's working out in your life that he's going to finish the work. Praise the Lord that what God starts, he always finishes. Everything he starts, he finishes. In Psalm 138 verse 7, it says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You'll stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me, and the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Why is that important? Well, some of you are a bit discouraged today, maybe a little bummed out. I know in our church family this week, especially among some of the guys on the on staff, we had some really, really heavy, hard situations come through the church this week. Just super, super hard. Things that require, you know, delivering bad news to children. Um, just, just bad stuff that just, you know, you go, why, you, why do you pray uh, for our pastoral team and the leaders here? Because you just never know what a week's going to bring. You never know what you're going to face. Why do, you pray? Why do you pray for our teachers in the school? Because you just don't know what's going to happen in a classroom or in a child's family. And, and so this week has been one of those weeks where there's just this, this sorrow and sadness that's taken root in some hearts. Even last night, because uh, one of the brothers is involved, has been a part of our church for many, has seen his kids grow up, and, and he's one of those guys that he can do a hundred things right, but he'll just get stuck on the one mistake he made. And so I spent a lot of time on the phone with him after service last night, just really walking him through to help him get over that one little thing and remind him of all that God did through his life and all that God did. He was feeling guilty for someone else's action, and it wasn't even his own. And perhaps that's you, where you just have a sensitive conscience about you, or you might see a hundred things that you've done right, but you always focus on the one that's wrong. Or maybe that's how you were raised and that's just, you don't, you can't, like, like you're just caught up by it and you're just like, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's happening. I don't know what's going to, what the future might hold. You might even be depressed today, feeling beat down by life and ready to give up. And it's true in this race of life, we will all face difficulty. Sometimes it's our own doing. We bring it upon ourselves and other times it's just the result of living in a sin-soaked world. But either way, remember this. What God has begun in you, He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He, isn't, he, he hasn't started the work and said to you, here's, the gra- here's my grace to get you started. I hope you can make it. But rather, here's the grace to get you started. Here's the grace to keep you going. And here's the grace that you'll need all the way through the finish line. Be confident of this. And so what does our prayer become? God, I just want to stand in the center of your will. I just want to be where you desire me to be. And so if you haven't already, memorize Philippians chapter one, verse six. Put it to heart and then live it out, remembering with confidence the saving grace of God, the sustaining grace of God, and the grace of God to finish your race and to finish it well. And praise God that when Jesus finished the work, he said to us, it is finished. It's his work in your life, not dependent on your own strength. Anybody wanna say amen to that? (laughs) That's not our own strength. Everything's good when you fall asleep because God is faithful. Even when you're sleeping, God does not sleep or slumber. He takes good care of his kids. And so Father, thank you for the encouragement of, of being reminded of your finishing work where there are some that would wanna trouble us, that would wanna come along and place some heavy burden or some legalistic trip on us, saying that if we don't do and if we aren't there and if we don't, as if everything depends upon us. The very cooperation and obedience that we give you, God, is because of you. You're working in us. And so we're grateful for that today. As we leave here, Especially, you know, just like our brother last night and maybe some here today, they're just overwhelmed. Maybe it was a real mistake. You know, it was something we should have done that we didn't do or something we did that we shouldn't have done. Some kind of thought. Maybe we took the bait of some temptation. Perhaps we haven't been treating our wife well or our husband well or been a little short-tempered with the kids, or fretting and worried over our job, and, and a thousand other things, Lord, that would just trouble our soul, make life hard for, for ourselves and for those that we love. We're grateful that you overcome our weaknesses, you reveal to us, and we make progress. We're actually growing up. We're not the same. We're maturing We're farther along in our race than ever before. And so God, give us a fresh second wind to run with confidence, to lead our families, to love our friends and community, to not just go to church, but God, to be the church wherever we are and whatever we're involved in. Thank you for your encouragement today. Not only the grace to be saved, but the grace to carry on and the grace to finish well. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.